let both grow together until the harvest. That teaches us a very important truth, that in this world, good and evil, the righteous and the wicked will grow together. There will never be a time until the Lord returns when there is only the righteous in the world. And there never will be a time when it's only the wicked, but both grow together. Thank you for joining us here at Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of our Free Presbyterian Church. Today we let the Bible speak on the millennium. You will read of this in Revelation chapter 20. And as you will learn, that's the only chapter where you will read of a thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus. You will not read of it in the Gospels, nor in the Epistles, nor in the Old Testament. But that number 1,000 is given in one chapter only. That should, that should carry weight with us as we think of the whole body of truth concerning the information concerning the return of the Lord Jesus. How should that be interpreted? That's going to be the message today as we deal with the millennium. Stay tuned with us as we turn now to our free Presbyterian pulpit. I'm glad that I'm in a church tonight where we can agree to disagree on many aspects of eschatology. If we had all the free Presbyterian ministers of North America in one room, and discuss this subject, I assure you, we would have a lively discussion. Because I'm not sure if there's ever been an absolute perfect meeting of two minds on this particular subject. And yet we can say that we're all equal. But then there are some who are more equal than others. It was Albert Einstein who said that it is harder to crack a prejudice than it is an atom. And we all have prejudices when it comes to the doctrine of the second coming. I must admit as a new Christian that I became prejudiced simply by reading the everyday sermons of some of the great leading preachers of the world. But I was getting my information secondhand. I could not say at that time that my convictions were my own convictions. And because I had certain men on a high level of regard and respect in my early Christian life, I came to the conclusion, well, if they accept that position, it has to be right. And then I came to realize that not all these men agree. And so it casts every one of us to do our own studying. And what I said earlier about our Free Presbyterian Church, we do not subscribe to one particular position as ministers, elders, or as members of our church and denomination. We are given liberty according to the orthodox position of the Lord's return. So tonight we're going to do some weeding. We're coming to this parable of the wheat and the tares. And you remember how the husbandmen, when they discovered that there were tares in the field, they wanted permission to go in and root those tares out. But they were stopped. And the Lord of the field said, Let both grow together until the harvest. That teaches us a very important truth 
that in this world, good and evil, the righteous and the wicked will grow together. There will never be a time until the Lord returns when there is only the righteous in the world. And there never will be a time when it's only the wicked, but both grow together. Now, do notice that this parable gives us a great many details about the day of the end of the world. Let both grow together until the end or until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers. And the Lord Jesus explained that parable that the reapers are the angels. The harvest is the end of the world. And so we use this parable tonight because it throws a lot of light on the whole subject of how this world will function until that day when the trumpet sounds, when time will be no more, and the Lord shall return. Another thing I would draw your attention to is that in this parable, there is only one kingdom. It is the kingdom of the Father. You will notice that it is an eternal kingdom. Right down at the very uh, bottom, uh, verse 43, the end of the reading of to this evening, and it says, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Now, we learned this last week already when we looked at Matthew 24, that every reference to the Lord's return was in the singular. It is one return, one coming, and here we learn that there is one end to the world, not a temporary end, and then a next time when it ends, and that the kingdom is singular, and we learn that it is eternal. Now, as to the dispensational view, there is nothing here at all about a millennial reign or a two-stage coming of the Lord Jesus. And so here is the outstanding parable in the Gospels. And it has to do with the return of the Lord, the end of the world. But there is nothing in the text that talks about a thousand years, a temporary world order. There is nothing here that speaks about the Lord coming firstly to gather out the righteous and then coming again to destroy the wicked. In fact, the order is reversed in this parable. And it tells us that the Lord will come and the angels will gather up the tares into bundles to be burned. And then the righteous are going to be gathered into the Lord's barn, as the parable puts it. And that doesn't mean that there's a huge space of time between, but it certainly reverses the order of any idea that the Lord will come firstly for believers, for Christians, gather them out of the world, leaving behind everyone else, and then returning a second time in judgment to destroy the wicked. And so just as the Lord said, let them both grow together, uh, the message is that in the harvest, they will both be dealt with together. Of course, the righteous to blessing, the wicked to destruction. And that's in perfect keeping 
with what we learned in Matthew 24. Now, if you haven't been with us uh, up till now, uh, I would advise that you read Matthew 24. It is the great key passage on the return of the Lord. We also looked at 2 Thessalonians 1.7, which is a passage that speaks of the Lord coming, and with the power and glory of the Lord, he destroys the wicked and is glorified with the saints. One coming dealing with both the righteous and the wicked. And so tonight, I want to appeal to you to give some attention to what is called the now millennial view. Rather than a position that the Lord is going to come firstly, and then there will be a thousand years of an earthly reign of some description, and then afterwards, the Lord will again appear, that that millennium or that reign of Christ is actually taking place presently, presently. Now, of course, it would be impossible tonight to speak on the millennium without turning to Revelation 20, because in Revelation 20, it's the only time in the Bible that you have this thousand years referred to or mentioned. And it's actually recorded six times in the early verses of Revelation 20. And this is the only passage in the Bible that you can actually even begin to speak of a reign of a thousand years. Now, Let's read some of these verses firstly, because I don't want to rush the matter to the point where we don't uh, grasp what the Lord is saying here. Revelation 20, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, have the key of the bottomless pit, and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now, where the divide in the road is, is between two interpretive views, two methods of interpretation. One is the strictly literal, which says where you read in the Bible a thousand, it's a thousand, and that's it. There's no other way of looking at it. It's a thousand years. And yet this is what we call apocalyptic literature, or symbolic. And also, in many other places in Revelation where numbers appear, you just can't take it literally. For example, the 144,000. This is where the Jehovah's Witnesses have turned into a cult because they take that literally as a particular number and thereby uh, that's the only people that are going to be elevated to that position of bliss. But we understand that 144,000 as a general term referring to a great multitude. And so here in Revelation 20, Rather than only taking the absolutely literal interpretation, we give place to allowing this to be symbolic. And by allowing this to be a symbol, this reign is applied to the present time, and that Satan is bound, and that the Lord is reigning in his church. And instead of it being a specific period of time of a literal thousand years, that it is a lengthy period of time 
perhaps beginning when the Lord came the first time until the second time. Now, that's the dividing of the ways. Premillennialists, even those of the orthodox historic position, they say this is literal. Those who believe in a now millennium, they say, but this is symbolic. And it, instead of referring to an exact period of time, it is really a picture of a lengthy period of the Lord reigning in his church. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. As today we bring the message on the wheat and the tares, let both grow together until harvest. We're looking at the various views of the second coming of the Lord. Now, the major emphasis is upon the now millennial view, that we are now uh, in Christ reigning with him, and that Christ is reigning in his people. And I trust that this message will be an encouragement to strengthen your faith and to help you to rejoice that in this world right now, the Lord is governing, he is controlling, and that right until the end of the world, when the Lord returns, Satan will not have his way. If you would like CDs or notes on this, you can go to our website, www.cloverdealfpc.ca. There you can have access to the notes and to these messages they are on archived on our website. So you can go to that or give us a call here at our toll-free number, 1-800-969-1091. Back now to part two of the message. Uh, unfortunately, no time for a hymn today, and we're going straight back to the pulpit of our free Presbyterian church. So let's do our homework tonight. And let me say that in love and grace, I can only present one position. I'm going to present the position that in all my examination of the scriptures and exploration of these things have come to see as the position with least problems. Doesn't mean there's no problems. Doesn't mean there aren't any verses that are like untied knots with certain difficulties. We don't take a position where we think we know it all. But it seems to me, and to many who have plowed these fields of the second coming of the Lord, that it is the easiest. So firstly, let's look at this. It is the simplest and safest of all systems, as it doesn't force ideas upon the Scriptures. And the great difficulty with interpreting Revelation 20 in a literal way if you get it into your mind that Revelation 20 is an exact 1,000 years, 999 plus 1, and it has to be exactly 1,000 years, then you are going to read every passage in the Bible in that light. And whether you're reading Matthew 13 or Matthew 24 or Luke 17 or 2 Thessalonians, you're going to be thinking, where's the 1,000 years? And that presents great difficulty because you begin to read the Bible looking for something that you have to find it. And that is never safe biblical interpretation. It's always better to let the Bible speak for itself. 
I also perceive that out of all the systems, this is a most sensible position to a theological mind. That means when you want to interpret the Bible that things harmonize, things come together in unity, then to take this as a lengthy period of time rather than a particular thousand years is best. It also deals with certain aspects of sensationalism. And we all know that when it comes to the Lord's return, we have all kinds of sensationalists. And when it comes to the millennium, uh, they have a very vivid imagination. And sometimes that imagination runs wild. And we wonder, where did they get these ideas? Well, it started with this idea of a literal 1,000 years, and something has to happen in that period of time. And that really presents the difficulty. And so we get rid of speculative notions by saying this simply means that from the Lord's first coming into the world, when he came as our Savior and Redeemer, until he returns again, he is reigning. Satan is bound. The church of the Lord Jesus is advancing. And Christ is reigning in his kingdom. And remember what the Lord Jesus said, that the kingdom of God is within you, in the hearts and in the lives of his people. Now, moving to point two, it exalts the Lord as the head of the church who is governing over the world now. It makes the Lord to be the king of his kingdom now and is always in control. What this system calls for is that Satan is bound. Now, in what sense is he bound? Uh, there in Revelation 23, it says that he's cast into the bottomless pit and shut up and a seal is set upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. After that, he should be loosed a little season. So he's bound in the sense that he doesn't deceive the nations. Certainly not as he did before. And there is a binding of the Satan that he is restrained. His power diminishes in the world. Now, is that a reality? Do we see that in the world today? Well, let's take this step by step. You go to Acts chapter 14, 16. We find that in the Old Testament that God allowed the nations to be deceived. Acts 14 verse 16, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. That is, before Christ came the first time. There was only one little nation in all the world that had the truth. That was Israel. And all the great nations, Egypt, Assyria, and all the great nations of the world, they didn't have the truth. They were left to walk in their own ways. And in that time, God allowed those nations to walk in darkness. There were prophecies that God would give to his son nations and people. And then Christ came. He came into the world. And you know that when he was a child, Satan sought to destroy him. And through Herod, in that act of genocide, Satan would have wiped out uh, the whole community of children just to destroy the Christ of God. But uh, the angel warned Joseph to flee to Egypt, and our Lord was spared. Then he began his ministry, and in Matthew 4, our Lord destroyed Satan in 
the wilderness. He defeated him. And Satan was defeated. Then there was the preaching of the gospel. When the disciples went out, not just the 12 disciples, but the 70 disciples. And when they came back from preaching the gospel, they had this news that the devils are subject unto them. And so, with the first coming of the Lord Jesus, there was this defeating of Satan on a broader scale. There was the power of Christ himself. There was his disciples. And in that text, Luke 10, 17, the Lord Jesus said, I saw Satan fall as lightning. That certainly was a binding of Satan and limiting his powers. And then in Matthew 12, the Lord spoke of binding the strong man. If you're going to deliver uh, the captive, you have to, first of all, bind the strong man. Who is that? That's the devil. And in the very same passage, if you note in Matthew 12, 28 and 29, in the very same passage, the Lord said, now is the kingdom come unto you. So he's saying the binding of Satan, the defeating of the powers of darkness, and now is the kingdom come unto you. So, as the Lord conducted his ministry, as he empowered his disciples, and then right up to Pentecost, which was the, the beginning of the explosion of evangelism, not just to Israel, but to the whole world, Satan was bound. And our Lord at the cross spoiled principalities and powers, destroyed Satan further, and set men free. And so this binding of Satan in Revelation 20, verse 3, can quite logically, quite consistently with other parts of the Bible, be interpreted as the devil was restrained at the first coming of the Lord Jesus. And until he returns again, Satan is bound. And in that way, the Lord is in control. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Stay tuned with us as Valerie Moniz sings for us Jerusalem and then the announcements for today.
Thank you again for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. For some time, I want to share with you that I have gospel literature available, and these are suitable for giving to family, friends, neighbors, to witness, to share the gospel. The one I have in my hand right now is based on John chapter 10, where the Lord Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And it's a simple one page, uh, well, four parts to it, front, two pages in the middle, one at the back. And it is a short little tract that will get the gospel out. And people can scan the QR code and come right into our radio broadcast on that text, John 10, 11, where the Lord Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now, I'd like to encourage you to give out these gospel tracts, and we will provide them to you, and we will send them to your address. Uh, We'll be delighted to give it to you. Now, we will have in the front of it here, Let the Bible Speak Canada. We have the Bible reading on the front page, and then in the center, we have a picture of the good shepherd caring for the sheep, and the message itself. It will be an encouragement and a guide to those that need to know the Lord. And I would ask you to send for this. Just write us, email, give me a call, and we'll be delighted to get the gospel out in Canada. That's our burden, reaching souls with the gospel. And you can be a part of that Take down the address now. It's coming up in the closing announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on this station as we let the Bible speak.